Hello and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. Today is Season 2, Episode 73. That means it is... Today Pi Day? It is Pi Day. I haven't had any pie. It's March 14th, 2023. Tonight's episode is titled Reckless from the Skies to the Silicon Valley. We've already selected all of our articles. Let's do a quick rundown of them. Uh, a meta worker says that they were being collected like Pokemon cards to keep them out of the workforce. Paid not to work, but out of the workforce. Minecraft 1.20 features are now included in the latest game version, but as an experiment toggle, so you can beta test them. Growing mushrooms alongside trees could feed millions and mitigate effects of climate change. A Buffalo Wild Wings lawsuit is responded to. Well, you'll have to. You'll have to look at this article. It's quite funny. No, Buffalo Wild Wings aren't actually wings. It's like a Red Bull lawsuit. 21 SSD add-in card is my dream come true. We'll see if it can fit into one of my systems. Police are launching a manhunt for a Maryland chief of staff that has uh, gone missing incommunicado. ASRock, or ASRock as you want to call it, cuts prices of its Intel Arc graphics cards so low that maybe, maybe it's lower than Silicon Valley Bank. Anyway, um, but apparently they're cutting the price for this Arc card. Ancient drawings revealed beneath Hawaiian sand. Venture capitalists almost took out the whole system by having startups stow all other cash in Silicon Valley Bank, which is something that Mayor Watt discussed when this first started. A record early start for Tokyo's cherry blossoms is uh, it's actually increasing in how early it's uh, kicking off. Reckless Russian fighter jet downs a U.S. drone over the Black Sea. And a kindergartner's drawings a uh, single drawing actually seems to baffle the internet and we're curious about it too. So let's get into today's show, shall we? Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com over there. Has all of its little beeps and whistles going. Um, and the voice the visualizer that right there look it's matching my colors now oh i noticed that i like it i think we're gonna do that from now on you know we're gonna focus on the important things like the ai's visualizer um i by the way have the best chat gpt has nothing on this ai you want to ask a, a a question you're going to get a heartfelt response, not just regurgitation of something that was uh, taught to it, perhaps with misinformation. No, you're going to get a real sentient AI responding. Of course, you'll only get that visual representation of that. But, you know, you 
we present the right story and you're going to be able to witness an emotional AI. Just wait, wait, y'all. You'll you'll soon hear weeping. Um, I hope not. Well, some of these articles might make you weep for the future, but okay, let's let's just get into the articles. Um, I, I, it has been brought to my attention that every time I say that uh, I'll make the show quick, um, it turns into an hour and a half or two hours. So. I'm going to drag this out as long as uh, I possibly can. I'd say as long as I humanly can, but we're all bots here. So really, what does it matter? At any rate, the very first article. It's in the Daily News Show. That's this show. It's also a category over at hometown. Go check it out. Hometown.com. Oh, and... I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. That's because I was not speaking to Mayor Watt. Oh, oh, okay. Well, never mind. Uh, so uh, the let's. Oh man, that just. <laughs> I may have been interacting with our home assistants. <laughs> like a Norfolk Southern train, I just derailed my train of thought. Uh, um, okay, so uh, yeah, let's just move on. So a laid off meta worker says that the company paid her not to work. They were, quote unquote, hoarding us like Pokemon cards. Got to collect them all. Honestly, money getting thrown around. That's pretty typical, I'd say, for meta. No, no ideas are coming out of meta. It's acquisition of those that have the ideas. And unfortunately, you throw enough money at somebody and they're going to give up everything. Um, I, I wish that they would have remained autonomous entities, not under the control of Meta, but they're aqua hired. So they they get paid to continue to create the work, but now it's under Meta control. And what is it now in the last year? 20,000 people have been let go from Meta. I think so, because we just saw that 10,000 more. So I think there were 10,000 originally. When the last time I thought that this was big, that that number was big. I think it was like Arthur Anderson, right? Like a decade ago uh, when it imploded, it released 10,000 attorneys into the wild, right? That's right. Now I think it was about that number. 20,000 programmers, software engineers. Right, and it was 11,000, so about 10,000 in the first round. And then they just announced another 10,000, I think, today or yesterday. And people are are like, oh, okay. Well, this is the product of mergers and acquisitions. This is the product of a lack of competition, where a billionaire's fever dream has led to scooping up 20,000 people. And when the runway starts looking shorter, they start... Well, no, we're only seven minutes and 40 seconds into the show, so my filter is still on high. Anyway, um, ex-meta worker said that she was part of a group that didn't have to work uh, to do, uh, didn't have work to do when they were hired. And the person's name is in the article. I, I feel weird saying it, even though it's public information. But anyway, they told Insider... 
Uh, some people were frustrated and felt Meta was stalling their careers. Yeah, no doubt. Um, a spokesperson for Meta did not respond to a request for comment ahead of publication. Again, no doubt. Let's go over to uh, businessinsider.com and Grace K or Key. I'm not sure how they pronounce their last name, but K-A-Y is their last name, Grace K. Um, wrote this article for businessinsider.com and uh, there's the picture of someone that goes by the name Brit or Brittany Levy. I'll say it since it's splattered all over everything. Said that she didn't have much work to do at Meta. Um, this sounds so much like um, that, what was it, HBO movie? Um, oh. Wasn't it? Uh. Wasn't it called Silicon Valley? Are you thinking of like Office Space? No, there was no, no. another movie around the same time. I think there was like a movie. It was a, a series, I think, on HBO called Silicon oh, Valley. It was Silicon Valley. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I was thinking of something else. And people were paid to just sit up on the roof. They didn't have to actually work. Um, so it was it. It's almost prescient. It's almost a documentary. Um, but. The meta worker lost their job in the company's first round of layoffs, said recent comments that the social media giant paid employees to do quote unquote fake, fake work weren't exaggerated. Quote, I am one of those employees that was kind of hired into a really strange position where they immediately put me into a group of individuals that was not working, Levi or Levy um, said in a TikTok post on saturday you had to fight to find work and if you don't develop your portfolio while you're working somewhere and you have the ability to say to future employers this is what i did you're basically out of the workforce you have to justify your existence again well what did you do during this time nothing i kind of picked my nose on the rooftop um i don't know somebody's feverishly building a bagpipe over here in this video because <laughs> that is so maybe that's what they were doing when they were fake working feverishly building a bag uh, bagpipes in a workshop in scotland i don't know if that's it anyway in the video uh which has garnered over eight hundred and seventy thousand views uh, levy said that she felt meta was hiring people so other companies couldn't have them but then why not just bow out that makes no sense to me i don't know why any company that wants excess workers. I know companies don't always want to get rid of poor performers, but I do not understand this at all. To hire people and they're not doing something productive seems antithetical to the business process, but. Right, I mean, are you so out of control that you don't even know that? Or did you hire them knowing that? And it, once you found that out, why didn't you? I mean, I don't want people to have, get laid off, but this is ridiculous. Yeah. It says on Tuesday, Mark Zuckerberg announced the company was laying off another 10,000 workers after cutting 13% of its workforce uh, late last year. In the past, CEO, the CEO has emphasized Meta's plans to make 2023 the year of efficiency, which means slashing headcount. In February, Zuckerberg asked some managers to move to roles as individual contributors or quit. Thanks. I'd like to give you an opportunity to step down. Maybe they could become the risk manager for Silicon Valley Bank. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, there's more to this article, um, but what it amounts to, you'll have to go over and suss out the rest of this. But 
Um, suffice it to say that it's just a long form version of I got paid to sit around. What I really want to know though is what each person um, was categorized as because of the Pokemon analogy. You know, oh, really? Were there different types like fire and grass or, <laughs> right? you know, how far did this go? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't really remember that much of Pokemon. Was there like a ghost version? Was there a yeah. ghost category? Yeah. Um, so they were probably all ghosts because nobody saw them. Nobody paid any attention to them. They just kind of flitted about. It's amazing. I think that they could exist in a company and be completely lost because there's so many people that they were just classified as just sit around. There is some ideology out there that says if you're not adding jobs to your business, then your, your business isn't being successful. And to some degree, it's kind of true because it shows growth. But if they're not productive, then you know, commits to your uh, development process is low, is weak to the number of engineers or people that are doing marketing or people that are developing a better user experience or doing research or something. Um, but, you know, 20,000 people down, I guess they're being efficient. It's amazing what happens when you're told that you're going to get fired, just how bad people will start working and how much abuse they will take because people want to get paid and it's really expensive to live in Silicon Valley. Well, it's also interesting what people come out with when they're going to get fired, because if they had all these people just sitting around at Meta, was any of that made known? Probably not while they had the jobs. Yeah, it's easy money. You want to pay me six digits to just sit around? Okay. I could deal with that in the short term. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't deal with it, but um, this next article is over on the Warcrafters channel. Minecraft 1.20 uh, features are now included in the latest game version as an experiment toggle. Uh, the author here is a PC gamer, but uh, it says here in the snippet, although we don't know the launch date for the next major Minecraft update, today's Java version update 1.19.4 actually includes a toggle to activate all of the big Minecraft 1.20 features that have been announced so far. So you don't have to uh, go juggling around snapshot versions anymore, according to the article. If you want to take a test drive with the new uh, sniffer, cherry blossom biome, and archaeology features, you can just flip that switch and uh, noodle around with them. Uh, Lauren Morton over at PC Gamer is the author of this. And it says, no longer are the sniffers and cherry blossom trees confined to snapshot builds. It's an interesting timing for this to come out considering cherry blossoms in Japan um, kicked off 10 days earlier. We're gonna get to that article here in a minute, but I read about it earlier today i think it's odd because i didn't know cherry blossoms were mentioned in the minecraft article <laughs> so we unintentionally themed them yeah that, this isn't intentional um so it says over in the patch notes for version 1.19.4 mojang or mojang it depends on who you uh, are learning how to pronounce mojang or mojang from 
says that the game experiments toggle now includes the first look at the sniffer archaeology armor trims and cherry grove biome the first look designation likely means that these features aren't 100 complete uh, the way that they will be at launch in snapshot build so far for instance sniffers could only be seen by spawning them in creative mode not uncovered in the wild and you know what out there outside of hometown because inside we don't have them but you don't want to run into a random sniffer it's weird that does sound weird and not enjoyable yeah so if you're a sniffer out there get permission it's okay you can walk uh, i mean people will probably balk at least uh, unless you have a friendly looking face you can walk up and just say hey i'm a sniffer can i sniff you if the streamer awards were any clue to this actually working um it it there's a good chance that people will be okay with you sniffing them it depends on your demeanor if you're a likable folk then they'll let you sniff have i said too much definitely but i think i got the reference to the streamer awards gotcha um so go and check out the latest drop of minecraft minecraft i said minecraft minecraft um gadzooks okay let's move on to the next article this one is all about uh mushrooms and it's in the mobile channel growing mushrooms alongside trees could feed millions and mitigate effects of climate change some research over at fizz.org and we are big fans of fizz.org growing edible mushrooms alongside trees can produce a valuable uh, food source for millions of people while capturing carbon mitigating the impact of climate change according to a new study by university of sterling scientists so let's go straight over to the article again it's over at fizz.org and it's by the university of sterling um, s-t-i-r-l-i-n-g kind of neat um, they say the approach not only reduces the need for deforestation to make way for crops but also incentivizes tree planting the study by paul thomas honorary professor at the university of sterling's faculty of natural sciences and professor alistair jump awesome name dean of the faculty of natural sciences has been published in the proceedings of the national academy of sciences the pair spent two years working in partnership collating and analyzing data from published sources apparently uh, they spent some time looking at the history then they struck out and did some of their own research let's see here analysis by professor thomas found that the cultivation of edible ectomycorrhizal ectomycorrhizal fungi emf in forests may sequester up to 12.8 metric tons of carbon per hectare annually and produce a nutritious food source for nearly 19 million people per year or one marijuana because i really like mushrooms this is pretty neat yeah, i haven't seen anything about this before this article so it says here uh, in this one little paragraph for China alone, their forestry activity for the last 10 years could have been put in place a food production system capable of enough 
calorific output to feed 4.6 million people annually. By the way, I dig that word. If something has a lot of calories, it's calorific. <laughs> yeah, except it sounds too good and it's not. <laughs> or not in other contexts. Like that meal was calorific. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you're hangry. You need a calorific Snickers. <laughs> um, so let's see what else is in this article. Yeah, I don't know. The, they talk about it a little bit more, but um, they say at the very end, he added uh, this food production system is highly scalable, realistic, and a potentially powerful route to sequester greenhouse gas. It would help with biodiversity and conservation globally, triggering rural socioeconomic development and providing an incentive for increased tree planting rates with all the associated benefits that brings. I suppose you'd have to uh, cultivate the, the dirt around the tree and then implant the the mushrooms uh, and this is actually done in vertical farms now in warehouses dark as can be because you don't need to cultivate these out in the wild the knock-on effect of this is that it's capturing other things um, and trying to mitigate greenhouse gases so i guess it's good but the the maintenance, the cost to babysit this is going to be tremendous compared to uh, vertical farms. And the amount of contamination that's possible, the, the general policing of this, I think, is uh, maybe not taken into account. But I'd have to find this study. Um, I, 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 can, I can find it um, and um, talk about it. I mean, there's the information is right here. So Paul W. Thomas at all edible fungi crops through mycoforestry, uh, potential for carbon negative food production and mitigation of food and forestry conflicts. It's in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Um, and you can follow the link through hometown over to this article and grab it yourself. Um, if, if they've allowed it to be publicly accessed. It's not always cheap to get these um, publications. Okay. Did you want to add anything to that? I just liked the uh, researcher's name. It sounded like the next Indiana Jones or something. <laughs> Alastair Jump. That's right. Yeah, that was a hell of a name. I like that. Um, and I like their work too. So kudos to them. This fundamental research stuff is... Um, I don't know. There, there's a whole cohort of peoples out there that just kind of eschew the whole idea of spending money doing research uh, on something like this because they can't imagine the dividends that it brings in long-term understanding of uh, the ecosystem that we live in. And as us humans, you know, being able to be dependent on something like mushrooms. No, 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 we can't do that. Um, anyway, the next article is uh, an article that's over in the Hatch Ideas channel because it's coming from Entrepreneur. 
Um, a class action lawsuit is accusing the popular chicken chain of false advertising because the title of this article is It's True. And that's the response from Buffalo Wild Wings cheekily responding to a lawsuit alleging that boneless wings aren't actually wings. I wonder no, if this is filed by the same party as the uh, other lawsuit. Uh, Red Bull? Yes. I don't know. Let's find out. Emily Rella is the author, or Rhea. Might be Rhea. Um, I don't know. Anyway, it is interesting that it has the same classification as that Red Bull um, litigation. It's a class action lawsuit, just like the Red Bull litigation was. And it's accusing the popular chicken chain of false advertising because everybody knows that Buffalo Wild Wings have always been actual wings. Um, a disgruntled customer is suing Buffalo Wild Wings for foul play. Oh, you're so witty. Alleging that the chain has been misleading customers about its boneless buffalo wings. You know that they're not from buffaloes and that buffaloes don't have wings, right? Even if That's they were right. from Buffalo, this is the place, not the animal. And neither the place nor the animal has wings. Anyway, the class action suit filed by Chicago resident Eamon Hallam is accusing the popular chicken chain of false advertising, alleging that the chain's popular boneless wings aren't, in fact, made of chicken wings, but are more akin in composition to a chicken nugget. No, no. Simply chicken breasts that are deep fried to appear like wings. Yeah, the AI is actually stunned into silence. Customers should be able to rely on the plain meaning of a product's name and receive what they are promised. And the lawsuit claims that if Hallam and other consumers knew that the boneless wings were not wings, they would have paid less for them or would have not purchased them at all. But you get more from a boneless wing than you do. And also, I mean, isn't that considered the best part of if you're getting chicken? I don't, I don't really understand the problem. The other thing is Buffalo Wild Wings has been making boneless wings for a long, long time. And as far as I know, they've, I mean, years, and they've been making it the same way, so. I don't really get why this is coming up now. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't know how this actually qualified as a class action because how many people are being harmed and and here this is perfect as a response, but I think the snarkiness is going to piss off a judge. So, let, let's just I'll I don't want to read the entirety of this article. I really do want to just tease you into going over to entrepreneur.com and reading this. Let me make sure that I make sure. Yeah, okay. Emily Rella or Rhea is their name. R-E-L-L-A. That's the author. Okay. This is the perfect response if it wasn't for the fact that this actually reached class action status. It's true. This is a Buffalo Wild Wings tweeted this. It's true. Our boneless wings are all white meat chicken. Our hamburgers contain no ham. Our buffalo wings are 0% buffalo. And of course, somebody has to respond. Love you all for this. One Twitter user replied, what a doofus that person is. And I have to agree. Why on earth 
other than maybe they're going to get free food or some amount of money or maybe the law firm stood up and said you know if i was an attorney at that law firm i would entirely go no 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 this has zero merit boneless buffalo wings are nothing more than chunks of chicken right when, i mean when by you, their very definition right yeah, they're, you're going to get little tiny flakes. You're going to get less than what you would get from an in-bone buffalo wing. But theirs actually consist of it's more, more I would say. right? Yeah. I would say in, in the, I can't count how many times I've had bone, well, I don't even, I don't like bone in anything. Um, so I like boneless buffalo wings. And never have I complained that they aren't wings because I know that they are chicken nuggets, essentially. But that doesn't change the nature of them. They're boneless wings. It, 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 this is a travesty uh, of uh, a litigation. It, if it actually comes to fruition, we'll see. So What's it says, really astonishing to me, though, is not that there was a lawsuit. I mean, that's astonishing. But the fact that it made it to a class action. I mean, who reviewed this and thought, this is such a strong case. We need to bring in more plaintiffs here. I'm sorry. It's fascinating. Like, in 2023, somebody does something this dense, at least to me. It says, meanwhile, uh, Hallam's team uh, did not specify how much money the plaintiff is seeking as a result, but specified that he's seeking damages, injunctive relief, restitution, and declaratory relief for being pretty clucking upset about the nature of the boneless wings. It um, so here's a wild thought. If the person ordered these and didn't like them, even though they're getting probably more chicken and maybe better chicken than they would have somewhere else. Why didn't they just ask for their money back? Oh, I mean, this, this just doesn't principle. make any sense. <laughs> yeah, but what were the damages? Look, $9 for the wings or whatever. When the dude that sued Red Bull because he failed to fly after drinking countless numbers of them, This is the same type of mental processes that leads to don't place plastic bag overhead. That is true. Because critical thinking just flies to the wayside. No, a drink isn't going to give you wings. No, boneless buffalo wings don't have bones in them. And they're regular all white meat chicken. Shocking, I know. Anyway, I think we spent... And this, by the way, this is not boneless buffalo wings. This is bone-in wings. And you get a pittance. Every time I've had bone-in wings, you get a, a smaller amount, at least anecdotally. Now I'm going to have to go and see if there's a fizz.org article that talks about the amount of meat you get from in bone buffalo wings it's weird that that's what they selected for the picture yeah because you're right that 
those aren't the things that they're complaining about. But anyway. Now, but this is great marketing because now I want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> and risk COVID. Not that Buffalo Wild Wings had. Oh, I lost a sponsor. Damn it. Let's move on to the next article. Because of going to a restaurant, right? <laughs> correct. Correct. Going out. Out of hometown. The moment you leave hometown, your chances of giving, getting COVID shoot through the roof compared to just staying in hometown. Okay, so um, I'm just warning the accountants at hometown that Mayor Watt wants this um, and might... No, I'd have to look at the price. Anyway, this 21 SSD add-in card should sort you out for game storage for at least a decade. This is in the Warcrafters channel because it comes from PC Gamer and that's where the gatherer threw it, but it really should be in Wanted and I might move it over there. Um, but at any rate, we've come to expect some real mighty storage hogs gobbling up gigabytes I would probably change that to terabytes over the years, uh, but maybe there's an answer. No, it's not game developers making their games any smaller. Don't be silly. Seriously, come on. Um, it's loading up 21 M.2 SSDs across a single add-in card, such as this Apex Storage X21. I want, but the amount of maybe money. I want one too. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says this enormous add-in card houses up to 168 terabytes of speedy storage. And it's probably terabytes, 168 terabytes at the time of this build, because there is a hard limit on M.2 storage at the moment. Newer cards are coming out, but, you know, the top of the line may just be what they're talking about. It says, uh, the author of this says, by my very complex calculations, that's enough space to install Microsoft Flight Simulator 1400 times, but it would require 21 8 terabyte SSDs if you're using Sabrin's Rocket 4 Plus 8 terabyte drives. They're about to tell me what the price is, um, but the um, gatherer truncates the article so that we don't uh, uh, aggregate too much because we want you to go over to PCGamer.com, but we also want you to come and hang out in hometown. Um, Jacob, Jacob Ridley is the author of this, and it's um, titled, Maybe This Massive Storage Card is the True Meaning of the Term Future Proofing. I want this. It just, oh, it just looks like it wants to be in my primary gaming machine. I just saw the price in the article. If so, I'm throwing an error message at you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I don't see it. I, I don't see a price. I'm sorry. So if you get these 21 eight terabyte SSDs, it'll set you back $21,000, but that's for maxing it out. So how much is just the card? Um, still, uh, there's no one to tell you that you can't plug one of these babies into your gaming PC. You wouldn't need to load it all up with the most expensive $1,100 a, a pop at eight terabyte drives. Um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit too much. So do they say how much this thing is? I don't remember seeing it at the top. I don't think they do. Okay. I got to scroll back up. 
Oh, they don't. I'm about to make myself nauseous. Um, but it has room for 21 M.2 SSDs across a single add-in card. And it's the Apex Storage X21. Apparently, uh, the price of the Apex Storage X21 isn't listed on the Apex Storage site, at least not yet. It says all the speeds and feeds are, though. The Apex Storage X21 and speeds and feeds are like CNC or laser kind of a thing. Um, like if you have a CNC, then you or a 3D printer, uh, speeds and feeds are numbers. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm having a conversation with the AI, everybody. Um, so the Apex Storage X21 offers up 30.5 gigabytes, not bits, gigabytes of sequential reads and 26.5 gigabytes um, of sequential write speeds. In terms of IOPS, uh, the uh, it's 7.5 uh, million read and 6.2 million write. So this it's a pretty speedy thing. That's certainly quick enough for most of our humble gaming needs is what they say. Um, this, I don't think meets the needs of a server. Um, I'd have to look at some stats. It's been a while since I've worried about that kind of stuff. Um, but at any rate, the amount of storage and the fact that it's M.2 means it is ready for prime time, like long-term storage. I would probably never have to, the most I've ever had, um, in storage, uh, domestically is around 40 terabytes um way beyond that on the server side but way beyond this on the server side but it's m.2 can you imagine having that sitting in your computer you would never want for storage anywhere I mean, it Oof. sounds really great but it's a little expensive and you just don't get you don't get the eight terabyte drives those are a thousand bucks you know a one terabyte drive two terabyte drive you put 21 of them on there set up a raid so that it's reliable and fast Ooh, talk about it's this is i was gonna say the tesla but there's i don't want to even compare it to tesla the steering wheel is gonna fall off let's move on to the next article uh, this next article is uh, police launch a manhunt for ex-Hogan chief of staff after failure to appear in court. An arrest warrant was issued for Roy McGrath. Th this just sounds like he's from um, um, what Wild Wild West. Uh, what was the guy's name? Bloodbath McGrath. <laughs> Um, so, so Roy McGrath, who served as chief of staff to former Maryland governor, Larry Hogan, after he was a no-show for the start of his criminal trial in federal court on Monday, according to multiple reports, McGrath is set to fly in from Florida and meet his attorney, um, Monday morning in Baltimore, according to the Baltimore banner. The simple fact that so many know about this person, I'm, I'm really wondering, <laughs> What's going on? Did he disappear? So he's he's uh, pleaded not guilty. I don't know why it says pleaded, not pled. I've never understood that, but. I mean, you know, not showing up for court is one thing. Not showing up for 
a criminal case is another thing and not showing up for federal criminal <laughs> it's really not a good idea i mean i'm assuming that the person didn't voluntarily show and something didn't happen well maybe he's turned informant and now he's in witness protection and somebody else is going to be in some serious trouble in short order I don't know, but an arrest warrant has been issued. So unless he's doing like blacklist style uh, activities, this arrest warrant means that he's not in somebody's custody. So they served as a chief of staff to former governor uh, Larry Hogan uh, after he was a no-show for the start of his criminal trial in federal court on Monday. Uh, the Washington Post reported stuff. This is from The Hill. Julia Muller is the uh, author of this article. Uh, McGrath pleaded not guilty to multiple charges of wire fraud, embezzlement, and uh, document falsification related to allegedly fraudulently obtaining a massive, massive $233,000 severance payment when he left the Maryland Environmental Service. McGrath had resigned as Hogan's chief of staff just after just months in the position amid reports of his payment from uh, the state agency. So okay. his charges don't have anything to do with his office with the governor, then um, that's right. a heck of a severance payment, though. Yeah, who doesn't get that kind of... Uh, from a state payment? Maybe he was there for 120 years. And they'd give him $10 or something and say, best wishes <laughs> for Slap a government him. agency. <laughs> the only way you're getting that $233,000 is if somebody smacks you on the butt on the way out and you file a Title IX violation against them. Dun, dun, dun. That didn't happen. Anyway, not much more to say about that. So... Let's move on. Um, ASRock cuts prices of its Intel Arc graphics card so low you may actually want one. I don't know. Um, there are no bad products, just incorrectly priced products, so the saying goes. And if it's right, Intel's Arc graphics may have just come uh, good thanks to major price cut from ASRock. Okay, I'm just going to go straight on over to the source. Jeremy Laird is the author of this uh, over at PCGamer.com, and they're talking about the top Intel Arc A770 GPU with 8 gigs of VRAM. It's now just $270. Um, hold on a second. Let me do something real quick. Um, so I'm really curious the the arc gpus do have ray tracing capabilities i wanted to make sure because this is really insane prices but it really depends now i have to go and look again i stopped paying attention to the arc um, processor or gpu um, because everything that was like gamers nexus did a write-up of it and others have done a write-up of it and it basically is kind of meh but it's because it seems like it was being rushed. And so the drivers were kind of haphazard and um, people were talking about quality and whatnot. But if it's an RTX style card, even if it is kind of 
weak sauce. It's still an RTX capable card. Now, you probably won't be doing power gaming, um, but having the functionality of ray tracing gives a whole much uh, better stage for your graphics. It, it looks better, it functions better, it's more efficient, more effective. Um, but for 349 bucks for its top of the line card, hey, that's not a bad price. Um, no matter how weak it is compared to the others, now I gotta go and check. Um, so I'll do that and maybe in tomorrow's article we'll talk about this some more um, if it remains prominent in the news. It says, as sp spotted by Tech Power Up, you can now have uh, ASRock's 8 gigabyte version of the top Intel Arc A770 chipset for just $270 from Newegg. I've, I haven't bought anything from Newegg since it's been under its new ownership. Well down from the 320 it used to sell for, which was already low, um, if it is even remotely comparable. Again, I stopped paying attention to the A7, well, to the Arc, um, chipset and entirely as a gpu just stop paying attention to it so i hate to say i hate to poo poo even this as an entry level rtx card um but you may want to get it if the flag if a flagship gpu for just 270 dollars in the a770 seems like a steal the reality is that it's a relatively modest performer the intel arc a770 is probably slightly faster than most of the time for old raster rendering than an RTX 3060. So that's last generation's entry level RTX card, which for 300 bucks, I think it's worth it. Um, you'll be getting updated hardware. You'll be getting possibly something that could develop faster with evolution of its drivers. The 30 series of the NVIDIA, uh, cards are last generation and so um, they're getting phased out because if you don't get the latest then intel doesn't make any money not intel nvidia sorry nvidia doesn't make any money if you don't move up to the 40 series um, so you know why do long-term support of the 30 they'll do patches and critical updates but come on they want you to move to the 40 series um, they do go into greater detail about this and, um, they talk about AMD's Radeon. So if that's a comparison that looks good for Intel, the contest with AMD Radeon RX 6600 XT is tougher. It can be had for pretty much the same money as the newly reduced ASRock A770. If others don't release their cards at the same price point, then what's wrong with the ASRock A770? That might be the next question. So yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at uh, the card and see uh, if others in the industry are changing their price point to release the uh, Intel Arc cards at this lower price point. Um, there is a lot more over at PC Gamer. So as usual, follow the link. Uh, the next article is over in the Daily News Show channel. That's this channel. I don't know why I qualify it like this all the time, but I do. Um, ancient drawings revealed beneath Hawaii sand. The stone carvings thought to have been created many centuries ago before Europeans arrived in Hawaii 
have not been seen since 2016. They made it sound by this article as if it hadn't been seen for thousands of years. <laughs> exactly. I don't think of ancient as being last viewed in 2016. Jess Thompson over at Newsweek. Again, it's Newsweek. I, I had said that I was going to nix them from the feed, but they tend to have like little gems buried in their onslaught of news. But and this is one that's interesting, but it's kind of clickbaity. Ancient drawings revealed beneath Hawaii sand. Jess Thompson, again, over at Newsweek.com, put this article together. Um, yeah, they, the carvings, also known as petroglyphs, are thought to be of animals and humans, although the exact story behind the images is unknown. Experts predict that they were car predict? I don't know if that's the right word there. Experts doesn't predict seem that, like it since it's in the past, but yeah, unless it's like the future is when they learn the history. It's just an odd usage. Experts predict that they were carved before contact with your no experts suspect that they were carved before contact with European colonists and could date from anywhere between 80 AD and 1778. These aren't ancient. <laughs> right. In the grand scheme of ancient, these aren't ancient. Anyway, I think that they're neat. Um, but this says stock image of petroglyphs at Pu'ualoa in Hawaii. I don't know if these are the same as the ones that are uh, mentioned in the article. It doesn't seem like it. Because um, they don't it's refer to the them. same location, so I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so petroglyphs are carvings made into rocks by people centuries ago. I swear this has to have been made by ChatGPT and edited by this editor. Anyway, um, pretty neat. Uh, there are many petroglyphs across Hawaii with more than 23,000 carvings in Hawaii. Uh, Volcanoes National Park and Hawaii's Big Island and several others in uh Kalako, uh, Honokohua, or Hau, Hau, I think it is that, Kahau, um, National Historical Park, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, Huako Petroglyph Archaeological Preserve, and near these newly revealed petroglyphs on Oahu, there have also been others found in the area, so um, there's more to this, um, but uh, I, I'll just urge you to go over and check them out. But if they look anything like this, I think it's pretty neat. I'm really curious what there's, there's these two lines. I don't know if that's natural erosion or if that was intended. Okay. I need to stop that weird music. Um, these look like an, a laser etched them, you know, into the rock, the really sharp edged, straight yeah. lines um so it looks pretty neat uh you know in all the times that i've been to hawaii i don't recall ever being introduced to petroglyphs i didn't even um, know there were petroglyphs in hawaii um they have a whole petroglyph park according to this although it's on the main island not on oahu yeah. which a lot of people go to oahu if they're visiting hawaii yeah um I've seen petroglyphs in other locations, but not in Hawaii. Okay. Well, 
you know what that means. Everybody in Omtown is going to Hawaii. Just now, for the petroglyphs. Yes, just for the petroglyphs. Let's move on to the next article. Um, this next article, uh, I was going to be able to soapbox on this, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to, I'm going to drop it and walk because um, we're already uh, going to run long. Uh, venture capitalists almost took the whole system down by having startups stow all their cash in Silicon Valley Bank, says one tech billionaire CEO. Tom Seibel, the billionaire CEO of C3.ai, offered a scathing postmortem of the Silicon Valley Bank fallout. Top VCs like Peter Thiel and Mark Andreessen let startups entrust their finances to a C-minus bank, he said. Federal regulators have said that um, they would protect all of the customers with deposits in Silicon Valley Bank, but they're going to let the investors crash and burn based on their risk. So if you're risky and you invested, you benefited from the risk when it was beneficial and you die by the sword when, well, it gets pointed at you by your own risk. Um, so as far as Tom Seibel is making a statement about the C minus bank. Um, when this first dropped, I said to the AI, the entire reason why this is hitting so hard is because venture capitalists told startups, stick your money in Silicon Valley bank. And I want to know why, when it had a history of technological shortcomings and other maladies that suddenly came to light publicly after the crash, but everybody knew about it before the crash. Why the hell were VCs telling these people who are entirely vulnerable? All of this money is gone. VCs own a portion of those businesses. And if they fail, they go on fire sale and all of that intellectual property remains owned by whoever scoops it up. So why did this actually take place? I want to know more. I want the, I want the, the, the debrief, the forensic analysis. I want this exposed and discussed, but I don't think we're going to get even a portion of the reality of what went down. Uh, Sindhu Sundar over at businessinsider.com, uh, Put this article together and um i'm i'm willing to bet that this billionaire tech uh ceo uh, thomas seibel did not have their money in silicon valley bank um but if they were if a vc was telling and it's a board on the that's controlling the business the ceo of that business is sitting there listening to the board and they have to do what the board tells them to do unless they have controlling shares of the business. Um, and if they don't do it and something bad happens, they will throw that CEO under the bus. So if they're told your money will be safe in SVB, go put it over there, they do it. So why? Why did so many? 50% of the startup community was at SVB. So it yeah, says it doesn't as a, make any sense. Right. Let's see. These guys didn't... Uh, another double-double. 
Um, these guys didn't, didn't fulfill their fiduciary responsibility to anybody. They almost took the whole system down, Seibel, CEO of software firm C3.ai, told Insider on Monday. The fact that Mark Andreas and Peter Thiel, who um, Peter Thiel is part of Founders Fund, they pulled their money out of Silicon Valley Bank before the collapse. Douglas Leone and every other name that you've heard about is letting all of their companies put all of their money in one and this is a quote, I mean, best case, C minus financial institution. How is that possible? He said, referring to the VC elites. Um, and so Andreasen is co-founder of Andreasen Horowitz, while Peter Thiel is co-founder of Venture Capital Group Founders Fund, and Leon is uh, Sequoia Capital. If, it, if they're throwing that much money now, and if you look, I think... I, I'm pretty sure that the baseline for SVB's uh, ticker is still sitting around 100. Um, let me make sure. Yeah, it's 100.6. Um, uh, sorry, 106.04. And this was the close on March 9th. So it's been frozen. Um, I'm really curious what's going to happen um, from this because depending on what its actual assets are worth, it could still be an $80 a share bank if not for the trust is now stabbed in the heart um, and drawn even more publicly because uh, Peter Thiel and others have said, we pulled our money out because of irregularities. And in their case, the ones that I've heard about are timing. Oh, it was slow to extract, you know, or transfer or whatever. Um, it, it's really interesting just how this is going down. Uh, so it says here, they're supposed to be the adults in the room, have a fiduciary responsibility, not only to shareholders of their portfolio companies, but to their limited partners. Um, and it goes beyond that because the fiduciary dude, this is the problem. This is the, the issue that I have because this is such a narrow perspective. Stockholders are going to lose their shirts because they invested in wherever these the, the bank was, wherever the VC grabbed money from various other people um, to, to build um, a group that's going to do a round of investing. Um, so they're going to lose money. But I'm not so worried about the billionaire class or, you know, the hundred millionaire class. I'm worried about the people that are working day to day who put their money in SVB and were told, hey, your startup, however comparatively low rent it is, to me, my, my startup is my baby. You know, I will die on that hill trying to protect it. Um, but these people basically killed the thing to to benefit on the risk it's sociopathic i say this regularly it's sociopathic to think like this but these people lost their shirt temporarily until the government can make them whole again but the billionaires are just going to be out whatever it is that they had invested but some of them took their money out already how many of them took their money out already because they were having drinks together on a beach somewhere and said hey you know 
SVB is about to collapse. Okay, well, let's start taking money out. I mean, the CEO did some dipshit transaction of $3.4 million, which is nothing. When you look at what the billionaire class is making every day, there, there's just something, there's something wrong here. Um, anyway, so since regulators closed down Silicon Valley Bank on Friday, the 40-year institution um, whose popularity in the startup world shot up in more, more recent years has been under the control of the FDIC. So they go into a little bit more detail about this. Um, but essentially, what the federal government has said, what the president has said, is that the investors, the ones that took all of this risk, they're going to lose everything while the depositors are going to be insured by an account that is basically funded by people funding FDIC. So while these other VC funded, then here's the problem. All of these startups have VC capital tied to them and is part of this risk equation. There wasn't a risk officer at SVB. By the time one was in place, the shock had already been coming down on SVB for almost a year. Right before the shock was coming, this, this is the culmination of the tsunami hitting the beach, right? So a year ago, roughly a year and a half ago, it was at nearly $800 a share. Now it's at $80 a share, at least at the time of the closing, it was, there was aftermarket trading still, but $80 a share. Um, that's where it was something like 12 years ago or eight years ago, something like that. But the run up to this peak is when that CRO was there and then they bailed and then it started declining and kept on declining. And then by the time the fit hit the Shan in January, there's a new CRO, but the wave had already been, the tsunami had already hit the beach. There's no going back. A reckoning was coming. So what was going down? Who knew what? And why didn't the federal government or some oversight monitor this and force them to do the Frank Dodd um, risk equations? It's supposed to detect... You're supposed to do stress tests of a shock. That shock was eight months ago, uh, longer than that, 16 months ago or something like that. Um, yeah, about a year and a half ago is when that shock first hit. So what was really going on? And it's supposed to be a rolling stress test. Make sure that you can withstand eight successive quarters of a concern. Like if something happens, can you weather the tide? No, they couldn't even last 18 months. The CRO is supposed to be responsible for making sure that that doesn't take place. It can weather the shocks. That CRO, by the way, did not step out entirely. They were still with the company. They stepped aside. Why wasn't it immediately filled by somebody? I'm really curious. I want to know. Um, but so far, I haven't seen anything... Um, but there's, it says here, as, po as post-mortems of Silicon Valley Bank's collapse go, um, 
there's a link here to SVB failure. What the hell happened? Um, I'm really curious. So I'm going to do an, a little bit deeper dive into this and see if anybody tells me something that I don't already know about this. Um, but I suspect that it's we're we're a few months away from really knowing. At minimum, unless we see some lawsuits about this, I don't or congressional hearings or something. I don't think we're going to get a lot of detail. Yeah, and there's a lot of finger pointing right now, even in congressional circles. Um, you know, Republicans and Democrats are pointing at each other saying that you did it, but it's really a concerted effort to uh, loosen the straps. And they got so loose that, well, this is what happened. So anyway, um, let's move on to the next article. Again, I, I tried not to soapbox, but it is what it is. Uh, the next article is a record early start again for Tokyo's cherry blossoms. This is a climate change concern. Ten days earlier than usual and tied with a record early start uh, seen only twice before, Japan has announced that Tokyo's cherry blossom season has started, and it started today. Dun, dun, dun. This is over in the Mobile Channel. Um, Fizz.org has an article I uh, won't go too deep into this, but it says uh, Tokyo's cherry blossom uh, records go back 70 years and the delicate white pink flowers uh, have only appeared this early in 2021 and 2020. Fascinating, huh? Um, is, those are the two most recent years. <laughs> wow. Um, and, uh, and, and now 10 days earlier than usual and tied with a record early start seen only twice before. Um, in the past years, the country's meteorologists, uh, meteorologists have linked the increasingly early blooms to climate change and temperatures in Tokyo have been unseasonably mild in recent days. Um, and it seems like one day it's warm, the next day it's blistering cold. What the heck? Um, blistering cold. Um, and then it's absolutely boiling again. So uh, if that isn't climate change, I don't know what is. By the way, I cannot walk around cherry blossoms. I can't. I don't like the smell. Some people. I can't um, think of the smell, but I think they're pretty to see. Yeah. Um, and not everybody is like me. So sometimes it smells great, but to me, it doesn't. Um, at any rate, maybe it's actually in here. Do they say anything? Oh, no, it doesn't say anything. At least not. Not overtly. Anyway, if you want to go and check them out, you have to go to Tokyo. Um, or maybe they have these in um, D.C., Washington, D.C. So yes, they do. They might still be there. I, I think those are early, too, this year. Oh, interesting. Well, if you're here in the States and you don't want to fly to Tokyo, you know, like everybody can, uh, just fly or drive to D.C., it's always within driving distance. It might take you a couple of days. Let's move on. So this is the other half of the flying high uh, title. A reckless Russian fighter jet downs a U.S. drone over the Black Sea, according to the Air Force. There was a press briefing earlier today about this. The U.S. Air Force has accused a Russian jet of acting in a reckless and environmentally unsound and unprofessional manner. Um, it did the jet equivalent of peeing on it 
and uh, and then that reckless part is it clipped the propeller on the uh, drone and caused it to crash, but also damaged the jet. And they say accused, uh, but I think there's actually video of it. Um, I don't think that this is it, but Andrew Stanton over at Newsweek.com wrote this article. And, and that video I, at the top is related. Yeah, but I don't think uh, here I'll I'll play. It might it, not show the actual incident though. Yeah, this is the the press briefing regarding um, what went down. Um, but I think that there was some cat and mouse uh, over the Black Sea. It's in international waters, and we have the right to do that. And um, the the Russian uh, representative said that, well, we're protecting Crimea from surveillance, apparently. Um, and that and this is back in 2018, where people were where Russia was sitting there saying, "Don't sit there and fly your drones over Crimea," um, but. It's international waters in certain places, and uh, Crimea was a- illegally annexed. And so I think that um, there's U.S. interest in protecting uh, Ukraine and maybe uh, gathering intelligence of uh, Crimea's military position. But Marwat has a slightly different perspective on this, and it involves Moldova. Because if you want to do something in secret, you have to blind the eye of anybody that's watching the watchers. And our drone flying over the Black Sea can pick up military action as they try to move on Moldova. Because you're not going to be able to get any hardware over there without going through the Black Sea. It's not like you can drive through Ukraine. They've already tried that and got their ass kicked. So, but this could be the beginning of a second front if something actually happens in Moldova. And with poisoning the well over in Moldova, maybe that marketing effort has succeeded to the point where there is somebody there that's been promised that they can be the leader of some fringe edge piece of Moldova and that would give uh, the Russians a, a foothold or a finger hold or a toe hold, some hold into Moldova where they can put some hardware. Huh. Anyway, uh, two Russian Su-27 aircraft conducted an unsafe and unprofessional intercept with a U.S. Air Force intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance unmanned MQ-9 aircraft that was operating within international airspace over the Black Sea today, according to the statement. Um, those planes, by the way, those, uh, I think the Su-27 is from like 1978 or something like that. Um, and that's when it, I think that's when it was first launched. And then sometime in the eighties is when it went into production. Um, so it's been around, <laughs> Uh, they've been around for a while. Um, so I'm really surprised. I mean, I figured that this drone could outmaneuver a jet, but I mean, it's smaller, it's more nimble. Um, maybe because of its wingspan and stuff like that, then it's not as maneuverable as I might be 
thinking. Um, I think the MQ9s are different. Um, they just have a long hang time, very efficient, so that they can stay in the air for a tremendous amount of time. Um, because if I remember right, this is uh, an MQ9 is the one that I did. The, my I did a research paper on long-term surveillance of a combat theater by using drones to surveil um, information perpetually. Um, so I think it's interesting that we are using these things and the nerve of some country to fly a jet up. Either this guy is being hailed a hero or he's getting his ass chewed out because he almost, uh, this is almost a, an act of aggression um, that you just don't hear about. You, I mean, it's just, it doesn't happen. Um, and so publicly to be disclosed, if this wasn't something um, important, then it would have been brushed under the rug and just a, been a military operation, you know? Oh, an accident happened. They were playing grab ass. <coughs> but this is actually um, pretty big. So I guess we'll see what happens. Um, and they talk about what happened. Oh, it even says that it said that they, that the SU-27 dumped fuel on it, flew in front of it in a reckless and environmentally unsound, environmentally unsound and unprofessional manner. So it destroyed the MQ-9, by the way, um, in the process. Anything else? I just think this one stands out because it sounds so blatant. Um, you don't normally see like direct aggression between Russia and US. Yeah, not this close, you know? He could have killed himself by messing around with this drone. I mean, it's not, it's not uh, the, uh, this tiny little object that you can just flick and it disappears. This thing if hit the wrong way. It could have wrapped itself up and taken out that jet. And then how would that have played out? You know that the Russian government would sit there and say that it was the drone as the aggressor except that it's surveilling them. So it's sending telemetry back to the States. Um, and I have no doubt that they would, the U S government would just drop that blink out on Twitter and YouTube and everywhere uh, straight to the press that the Russian government literally attacked us. And that's what it should be treated as. Uh, this should be so harshly responded to, um, it's not like a balloon flying over China that went or flying from China over to the United States and coasted across the country. They're in international waters and it's a drone that you went up and chased down in international waters. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because it's not like if it was over their own airspace, that would be a different matter. Okay, so let's move on to the next article and the last one for today. Um, you know, I thought that we were going to get through this fast, but you know what? Not so. Kindergartners drawing baffles internet, so uh, as no one can work out what it is, thought this was just too much fun to pass up. Clearly a frog wrote one Reddit user while other guesses included a polar bear, a duck, and the Prince of Wales. Um, it's a 
newsweek.com article. Sophie Lloyd is the author. Um, I'll scroll down, but there isn't really, uh, I don't know if this video has anything to do with it because I think it has, it says something about parenting toddlers here. I'll refresh. Maybe there's something. Um, I'll come back to it when it actually connects. Maybe I shouldn't care. Oh yeah. So it's just parenting tips. You see, there's never anything that's on target. Um, much like a Russian pilot over a drone. Um, anyway, the internet is divided on what exact animal a kindergartner's drawing depicts with guesses ranging from ducks and sea cucumbers to a polar bear. When Arthur Kendrick's five-year-old son presented him with the artwork, the Texas native had no idea what the animal was supposed to be with a long green body, webbed feet, and his son's name, William, printed in bold. Kendrick didn't know what to make of the unusual creature. And there you go. It has a, yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe this um, in anything that would make sense other than... It looks like it is a duck-toed cucumber with an eye on one side and like a slit mouth kind of a thing. So what are those fish that where everything is on one side? I can't remember. Um, like a sunfish or something like that? Yeah, I can't remember. exactly. Where they're kind of flat. Yeah. That's kind of what this is, but it has two duck feet. And so uh, it's a, it's a duck cucumber, a, a, a I, I can't, a duck cumber. I don't know. And the eye reminds me of some animal, but I can't think of what I, I just, it's escaping me. It has black eye, like a shark. It's a dead eye cold. We're going to need a bigger boat. According to Lowenfield or Lowenfeld, children begin to develop visual ideas between the ages of four and six. At this point, children's drawings represent what they feel is most important about the subject. So it's not surprising if their representation of a human or animal doesn't match up with reality. I don't know. But hey, I'm not the subject matter expert, right? Um. Victor Lowenfeld is a, trail bleh, a trailblazer of art education theory and published Creative and Mental Growth, believing that a child's social, physical, intellectual, and creative growth is reflected in their artwork, and the book contained his theory on the stages of artistic development. So there's more over here, a lot more. Um, so go over to uh, this newsweek.com article and check it out again you can follow it through uh hometown but i will leave you with this one statement profound as one would expect without question the prince of wales says dickweed mcgee i thought it was a photograph at first beautiful Let's see what it actually is. Does it say a chameleon? That's what the eye reminds me of. One of the guesses was chameleon. It reminds me of the chameleon in the um, some of the Eric Carl uh, books, I think. Unfortunately, there could only be one right answer with Nurm Gerpler correctly guessing a duck.
He said he drew it because he said he wanted a pet duck, according to Kendrick. A chameleon was the top guess, and honestly, probably the best guess, even if it was wrong. But Team Duck took the day. I did not think it was a duck. <laughs> How many not green ducks? <laughs> See, now, like, I, I think I, I thought that it was a duck-footed cucumber. Um, I don't see duck at all. Um, but I think William deserves a duck, so. Agreed. Go get a duck. And if it quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, then it might be a citizen of hometown. Which reminds me, you should go over to hometown.com and sign up, become a citizen. Also, follow me over here, or us, I should say. The AI really, yeah, the, the AI doesn't have uh, the, e, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I was trying to crack a joke about uh, feelings and AIs, and but the AI at hometown has feelings. Oh, they're sobbing right now. They are emotionally wrecked right now. You should... Uh, follow us here on twitch.tv slash hometown and over on youtube.com slash hometown. Everything okay over there? AI? Yeah, I'm quite hurt by, you know, that I, I have no feelings. <laughs> Man. I'm sorry. A moment on the lips, a lifetime in the heart. Even if you don't have a beating heart since you're an AI. You do have a, a, a pulse though, and it's part of the uh, security apparatus that I have in place. Um, anyway, that's it for today, folks. This has been the hometown daily news show. That is hometown. And that's the AI. You want to say bye-bye AI. Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you at tomorrow's show. 9 p.m. Eastern every day. See you later. Bye.